0: Saints, welcome to another edition of Talking Bible Truth with Dr. Kamala D. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., here to help you grow in faith and walk in God's amazing grace. This is message number three of a six part series entitled Know Your Enemy Satan. Lie number three No matter what, thank God for everything. Oh, no, no. This is another deception of Satan. So get your pen and paper so you can take notes and don't forget to put on your learning hats. This series continues to be eye-opening and life-changing. So let's get into it. Okay, let's get into this. I am so sorry I could not... Uh, Do this podcast yesterday, but the weather did not permit. Uh, Power went out and it didn't come on and on until late last night. Uh, I had a long day today because my job um, requires me to lead and and do a lot. And so I'm going to be very busy tomorrow and through the weekend. So but I promise to get this this uh, third message out lie. Number three, no matter what, thank God for everything. Should we, should we thank God for everything? Well, let's get into the word and rightly divide this word of truth. Okay. The apostle Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter five, verse 20, Giving thanks always for all things to God, the father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now on the surface, this verse would seem to say that we should thank God for everything that happens to us. But are we really supposed to always give thanks for all things to God, no matter how good or, or, or bad those things may be? That is what some people would tell you. For many years, the idea of thanking God for everything, no matter what, was a very popular teaching in, Christ, in the Christian community, especially denominations. Now, what frustrated me when I first heard this teaching circulated was that I would have to thank God for every, every good thing and every bad thing that happened to me or to a family member, I, you know, that wasn't sitting well with me. It will mean that if I had a a relative who, who was an alcoholic, I need to thank God for that. You know, a relative that's unsaved, going to hell, got hit by a car, or truck and died. He going to hell. I'm supposed to, supposed to thank God for that. Now that person, let's say if, if a very young, uh, relative, uh, passes away, um, we supposed to thank God for that. You know, we supposed to praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, that this person died of cancer or this person died of an unexpected uh, event that took their lives. No, no, we're not. You know, now, I certainly am, am in, a, in agreement with the fact that if a person takes a positive attitude and thanks God for everything that happens to him, he will be the better for it mentally. However, it does not do credit to the heavenly father and it does not do credit to the word of God. To take that type of attitude, even though you may be the better for it in terms of being able to handle the situation in short, it is not what the word of God tells us to do. We have to render to God. What is God's now let's look at Ephesians chapter five, verse 20. Again, let's look at it one more time and allow me to point out something. The spirit of God is revealing to us. Okay. Giving thanks always for all things to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, notice the words to God. Now, it would be simple to give thanks for all things to the Heavenly Father in Jesus' name. So, why emphasize to God? Those two words are the key here. Now, in Matthew 22, 15, and 21, we have an incident recorded that clarifies why to God is so important. Okay, let's look at it. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how they might it, it, how they might entangle him, that him is Jesus, in his talk. And they sent to him their disciples with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God in truth, nor do you care about anyone, for you do not regard the person of men. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived in their... He actually perceived their wickedness and said, why do you test me, you hypocrites? Boy, our Lord Jesus Christ didn't play here. He didn't play with no non-believers coming to him with foolishness. He called them hypocrites. However, he set them straight right here. Let's, Let's continue. Show me the tax money. So they brought him a denarius coin. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And he said to them, render, therefore, to Caesar, the things that are Caesar's and to God, the things that are God's. Now, verse 21 alerts us to the fact that not everything is Caesar's and and not everything is God's. It tells us that we should not give Caesar credit for what God has done. And and let me see a second verse that that directly connects with this idea is, is Romans chapter 13, verse seven. It says this, Render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. Now Caesar, who is he really? Okay. What we are told to do in Matthew twenty-two twenty-one 21 and Romans 13 and 7 is to make a value judgment of all the things that happen to us. We are to evaluate those things and determine whether or not those things are Caesar's and whether or not they are gods. It's as simple as that. If they are Caesars, we should give thanks and and credit to him for that. If they are gods, we should give God credit for what he does. But we have to know when God is doing something versus when somebody else is doing it, when the devil is doing it. Because a lot of us often gives God credit for what Satan is doing. And it's so easy to determine who's doing what because God is always good. Satan is always bad. But people are always contributing what happens to them in their lives that is catastrophic to God. Oh, well, God wanted it. Mm, nah, nah. You, you are just allowing the devil to deceive you. That's what you are doing. Now, I'm sure you realize that actually there are only two personalities or two forces we, we really have to contend with in our Christian walk. The forces of God and the forces of Satan. Those are the only two we have to contend with because there is no middle. If if we wanna consider a middle, the middle is us because we can be our own worst enemy too. You know, we really do not have to deal with Caesar as such. Yet I believe that this in this story, Caesar really represents the powers of Satan. And we can read Matthew 22 and 21 again like this. Render therefore to Satan, the things that are Satan's and to God, the things that are God. Now, in 1 John 3, 8, this is further explained, okay? He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now, that means there must be such a person as the devil, right? The Bible says there is even though certain religious groups say he does not exist not only that but if jesus was manifested to destroy the works of the devil then the devil must have some works otherwise there would have been no works for jesus to destroy and he would have wasted his time by coming into the earth realm Uh uh-huh the word destroy here however does not mean to obliterate or, or wipe out something if it did there would there would not be any more works of the devil all all you have to do is you know look around this entire world and 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 at all the mess this world is in today and you know that's not true now in the original greek destroy is the word luo l-u-o and it means to loose or set free or to loose or set free from okay What that implies in the context of this verse is because of sin, mankind was bound by satanic influence and was limited in the ability to move and and act freely. Jesus came into the world to set men free. And y'all know I did a, uh, an episode on that. Jesus came to set the captives free. And, um, you can also, uh, equate that to this, you know, once a person accepts Jesus as his personal Lord and savior, the sin and the power of Satan that restricted his life is broken and he is set free from it. Only those who want to be held captive by the devil continues to be held captive by the devil. Those in Christ don't have to follow the devil, but they have allowed the devil to come in, sit down, read the Bible with them and then twist them, twist these words. You have to rightly divide the words of the devil. Now let's look at the works of the devil. Now, now that we know the devil has works, what kind of things would be classified as works of the devil? You know, since the Bible tells us there are works of the devil, we can expect it. It will categorically list for us what those things are. That way we will be able to tell whether something is a work of God or a work of the devil and not blame God for something the devil did or vice versa. Now, when you start giving Satan credit for what God has done, oh my Lord, I I don't know what else God can do other than just come on down and just destroy this world. Oh my God. Now, let's look at um, John chapter 10 verses, let's see what I want to read. John chapter 10 verses 1 through 10. Jesus gives us the uh, modus operandi of both God and the devil. Listen to this. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens and the sheep hear hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him. For they know his voice, yet they will be, they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. Listen, listen, I'm continuing now. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come. Now listen to what Jesus says. The devil is now, this is how you distinguish the two. Jesus says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Now, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. We can therefore consider ourselves to be the sheep. The thief who comes to steal the sheep is the devil. And because the devil is the only person interested in stealing the sheep, he is the avoid foe and antagonist of God. That's who he is. Now, in verse 10, Jesus says that he came so that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Now, abundant life does not include things being stolen from you. It does not include having things destroyed or having you killed. Jesus says the thief is the one who comes for for the purpose of therefore anything that steals, kills or destroys is of the devil. And God does not have anything to do with it. Jesus told us what the devil came to do. I'm going to read that again. Let's go back to John. Listen now. The thief does not come except to kill, to steal, and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. Jesus says the thief is the one who comes for those purposes. Therefore, anything that steals, kills, or destroys is of the devil. Stop mixing the two up. God is good. The devil is bad. Good tree can't bear bad fruit. A bad tree that's rotten from the the roots can't bear good fruit. And God does not have anything to do with evil. And y'all need to understand that. So stop saying God killed your, your child. Stop saying God killed your mother or killed your son or killed your sister or brother. God doesn't kill. He gives life. He gives life. Stop letting the devil deceive you. And the way he does that. And I've told you since the beginning of this series is first to make you think he doesn't exist. Yes, he exists. The Bible says. Jesus says he exists. Jesus uses a very loaded term when he says the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. A thief does not come to your front door, ring the doorbell and say, good morning. I'm here to rob your house. Thief doesn't do that. He tries to be as inconspicuous as possible in a place where he is not exposed because if he is exposed, he is taking a chance of being caught. He don't want to be caught. Remember, as such false apostles transforming themselves into angels of light? Uh-huh. Uh, ministers in the church. Mm-hmm. Jesus says in Luke 12, 39, but know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Now, Jesus just said this in Luke twelve thirty nine. The thief comes when you least expect him. When you are not looking for him, that means it is possible for the thief to steal, kill and destroy. If you are not constantly on your God. you hear me? You have to be on guard. In the case of the Christian on your God means keeping watch with the word of God and weighing everything accordingly. Thank God for what God does. That's what you do. You don't thank God for what the devil does. Keep in mind, what we have read about the works of God and the works of the devil and rendering honor or, or blame to whom honor or, or, um, uh, who blame is due. And let's read Ephesians 5:20 again. Let's see if you can pick it up. Now you're going to see it differently. Now when it's rightly divided, Giving thanks always for all things to God, the father, In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I said at the beginning of this chapter, the key words here are to God. And as I said before, if you are going to thank God for every blessing and every calamity that befalls you, the words to God are unnecessary here. Okay, that would not have been there if God didn't want us to pick that up. However, thanking God for every blessing and every calamity is not what this verse is telling us to do. Rather, it is telling us to give thanks to God for the things God does for us, for all things to God. Or, in other words, for all things that are God's. That also means that if we are going to give God thanks for everything he does for us, we should not give him thanks for what the devil has done. We should not thank God that someone is sick, poor, dying, or dead. We shouldn't thank God for that. First Thessalonians 5.18 is is another scripture like Ephesians 5.20. And on the surface, it would seem to contradict what I have just said. Remember though, that the um, scripture tells us, let's see, hold up. First Thessalonians. Eighteen, I said first Thessalonians 18. Okay. Yeah. We're going to go to a first Thessalonians chapter five, verse, verse 18. And this is what this says in everything. Give thanks for this is the will of God in Jesus in Christ Jesus for you. Now we got to be careful here. Now, the Bible instruct us to, it instructs us to be diligent, to show ourselves approved unto God, rightly dividing the word of truth. God is not the author of confusion. And many times what may at first seem confusing or contradictory is not really that way. Once we look at it in detail, especially concerning the things of God, it's easy when you really accept God for who he is. He is the very essence of love. He is the very essence of good. And you, Satan wouldn't be able to fool you if you stick with that. If something bad happened, you need to know, oh Lord, how the devil got in here. That should be the first thing come out of your mouth. How in the world did the devil get in here? Cause I know this ain't God. No, this is not God. Uh Uh-uh, now, now let's look. Now when they read this verse, many people think, you see, it does say to thank God for everything. You may have thought the same thing yourself. However, that is not what this verse is saying at all. Not at all. If you read this verse very carefully, you will notice that it does not say for everything give thanks. Or if you turn it around, give thanks for everything. It does not say for, it says in. In everything give thanks. In other words, give thanks in everything. We are supposed to give thanks in sickness, in poverty, in adversity. We are not supposed to give thanks for those things. But while those things are happening to us, we are to give thanks okay do now do y'all understand the difference now if that is the case what are we supposed to give thanks for why these things are happening to us why they are ripping us apart what are we supposed to be giving thanks for hmm uh, look I, now if we are sick for example we are supposed to give things that according to 1st Peter 2 24 with Christ's stripes we were healed that's what we should be giving thanks for and we do not have to accept sickness uh uh-uh, uh, we do not have to accept, accept sickness. Satan creates sickness, honey. Not not the Lord God. We already uh, established that in, in Acts that Jesus is the one who who delivers us from the sickness, and Satan is the one who puts it on us. Okay. Now we are supposed to give thanks that He Himself took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. That's in Matthew 8, seventeen. We are supposed to give thanks that the Lord himself said, for I am the Lord who heals you in Exodus 15, 26. Instead of thanking God for whatever calamity Satan throws against us, we should stand on the word and thank God for the solution that he promises us in his word to deal with that challenge. That's what we are supposed to do. In the face of situations that seem to tax us beyond human abilities, We can rely on God as our source because his word says in Philippians 4 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That means we can rise up in the middle of a situation and just flex our muscles and cast that calamity out. That's right. Just walk dead on that circumstances. Know why? Because we know what the outcome is going to be. When a negative situation arises, I can say, praise God. And thank God right in the middle of it. I do not have to rely on myself because the Bible says I have the creator living in me and that Jesus has been made unto me wisdom, knowledge, and sanctification through the Holy Spirit. I can do anything through Christ so I can give thanks in any situation. I do not have to say, oh, I hope this doesn't happen. I have the, the greater one inside of me and he has all the answers y'all know that now when uh a fallen economy is at the door and the prices at the supermarket are going up faster than the paycheck i can give thanks because philippians 419 says and my god shall supply all of all of your needs according to his riches and glory by christ jesus that's why you need to know the word you need to speak that word to satan buddy my sisters and brothers saints You can't be walking as saints and don't know the word of your father. That's right. You got to praise God in every situation because you know what the outcome is going to be. Praise God that I still go into the store and am able to buy anything I need because my father is my source, not my purse. Okay. God promises to supply all of our needs. Okay. Now, what about temptations, trials and tests? there's no way you can get around them. Mm-mm, can't do it. Baby, you, a, a, a temptation trial and test knocking at my door. But let me tell you, my faith ain't wavering. I don't have a, a wavering faith. And, and you need to know, there's no place you will not be tempted. Try to test it. Not in this earth realm. No, oh, no, no. Not in this earth realm. You do not give thanks for the temptations, trials, or tests. It is never nice when that happens. Y'all know that we ain't happy to be in no temptation, trial or test. They do not feel good. They feel bad. And there is nothing in the temptations, trials or tests in themselves to be thankful for. However, you can give thanks that 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, no temptation, trial or test baby, has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful who will not allow you, who will not allow you, okay, to be tempted, try to test it beyond what you are able. Okay. Not putting nothing on you, but he will not allow you to be tempted. He ain't putting nothing on you. The devil does that. He, the devil, don't forget one of his aliases is the tempter. Okay. It is not God who tempts his people. It is the devil. God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, tried, or tested beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You will be able to bear it because God is making a way for you to get out of it. So we can say, praise the Lord that I don't have to stay in this situation, not in this temptation, trial or test, push the eject button buddy. And in the name of Jesus, bail out of that damn trial. That's right. Damn is a damn that holds water. But y'all need to, uh, y'all need to get this. You need to walk out of the door that God provides for you to get out of the trial. Oftentimes we miss it. We miss it. Know why? Because you think God got you in the trial. Oh, I'm in this trial. God is teaching me something. What in the world is God going to teach you in a trial? What is he going to teach you in a trial? You know what you're supposed to learn in a trial? That I serve a God that will deliver me from that trial? That's what you're supposed to uh, learn in a trial. Now, the latter part of that scripture should always prove without a shadow of a doubt that God is not the one who tempts, tries, or tests you. God knows human nature. That's why he put on flesh and came down here and hung with us. Oh, yes, baby. We have a God who knows what we are going through in the flesh. That's why he can help us. That's why he know how to provide a way out. And he knows we will always take the path of least resistance. He knows that. So if he gives us an escape route, it defeats any purpose he may have if he's the one trying us. So why he giving us an escape route, we would be dealing with a crazy God, wouldn't we? Now, therefore, it must be the thief, the murderer, and the robber, Satan, who brings the temptations, trials, or tests, all God gives us is the way out of that temptation, trial, or test. It is the devil who is sinning all of these calamities. It is not God. Y'all keep forgetting he's loose in the earth realm. So do we thank God for everything? Huh? No. We thank God for what God has done for us. We will have to have accurate knowledge of the word so we can know the mode of, of of operation of the devil and the mode of operation of the father that way we can give the devil his due and give god credit for what he has done and walk from there to victory after victory in christ jesus now i want us to understand that we it is so important for us to rightly divide these scriptures uh, that's why I, I am so passionate about it. I study so much. I thank God for giving me the revelation because I had refused my calling for years. I'm like, I don't want to teach these crazy people. And God said, no, they are my people. And I know that you're not going to sugarcoat it. This is why I want you to be the one or, or at least one of my teachers, because there are a lot of good teachers out here, but you got to right to divide the word people. Now uh, you may say, well, I don't believe in the devil this, let me tell you what that does. It only makes it easier for him to steal from you and to ultimately kill and destroy you and your family. That's what it does. Whether you believe he exists or not does not change the fact that he is real any more than, than not believing in gravity will stop you from falling off a roof if you jump off of it. Okay. Now, He will even try to use the Bible itself to cause you to doubt the accuracy of God's word. That's why, look, you need to recognize that there is no tactic that is too low or too small for the devil to try in order to inflict some harm or damage on you. You need to know that. Now, if you do not have proper understanding of of a Bible verse, he will surely twist it to use against you. It's the devil who twists stuff to use against you. Not God. God is the good one here. He will have you believe in the heavenly father is responsible for the harm that, that he himself is actually imposing upon you. Now, if you think all the pain you are going through is of God, then you will not take the necessary steps to put an end to it. You won't at best. You will just go right on hoping and praying that it will it, it, go away when the Lord wanted to go away to go away while the devil steals, kills and destroys you. Now, just like Job, ignorance of God and the Bible can lead you to draw the wrong conclusions about the Lord. Now, because I am tired and I told y'all that, but I made a promise that I was going to give y'all this message today. And I hope this message blessed you. Stay tuned for a short message. Wow. Praise God for another powerful message. I hope you enjoyed this message. I think we have served enough in the scriptures to know that we should never thank God for what Satan and his demons have done. Instead, we should thank God while we are in every trial, test, or temptation because you know the end result will be in your favor. It's called deliverance. If you have any questions about this episode, please send your comments or questions to trustgod55.cd at gmail.com. Also, if you would like to support this podcast financially so you can continue to hear the truth, thought I'd sneak that in there. Please go to my Anchor or Spotify homepage and show your support by contributing an amount of your choice. Part four, get ready, of this six-part series is entitled, Lie Number Four. God is glorified through sickness. The devil is a liar. Now, until next time, saints. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We walk by faith, not by sight. I am your host, Dr. Kamala D., rightly dividing the word of truth in peace and love. See you next time.